part two chapter nine of faces in the fire and other fancies this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by april six zero nine zero california united states of america faces in the fire and other fancies by frank w borum part two chapter nine among the icebergs not so very long ago and not so very far from this tasmanian home of mine i beheld a spectacle that took me completely by surprise and even now baffles my best endeavours to describe it i was on board a fine steamship four days out from hobart in the early afternoon as i was rising from a brief siesta i was startled by a voice exclaiming excitedly oh do come and see what a splendid iceberg i confess that at first i entertained the notion with a liberal allowance of caution i was afflicted with very grave suspicions at sea folk are apt to forget the calendar and every day in the year has an awkward way of getting itself mistaken for the first of april but the manifest earnestness of my informant bore down before it all base doubts and i was sufficiently convinced to hurry up to the promenade deck i looked eagerly far out to port and then to starboard but nothing was to be seen it was the old story of water water everywhere my suspicions returned in an aggravated form indignantly i sought out my informant and peremptorily demanded production of the promised iceberg it's dead ahead he replied calmly and can therefore only be seen as yet from the bows to the bows i accordingly hastened and there i found a crowd comprising both passengers and crew already congregated and surely enough i then and there beheld the most magnificent and awe-inspiring natural phenomenon upon which these eyes ever rested right ahead of the ship there loomed up on the far horizon what appeared under an overcast leaden sky to be a fair-sized island with a high and rocky coast in the distance stood a tall rugged peak as of a mountain towering up like a monarch coldly proud of his desolate island realm the whole stood out strikingly gloomy and forbidding against the distant eastern skyline but hey presto even as we watched it in less time than it takes to tell a wonderful transformation scene was enacted before our eyes suddenly from over the stern the sun shone out flinging all its radiant splendors on the colossal object of our undivided attention in the twinkling of an eye as if by magic that which but a second ago might have passed for a barren rocky island was transformed into a brilliant mass of dazzling whiteness everything seemed to have been transfigured a fairyland of pearly palaces flashing with diamonds and emeralds could not have eclipsed its glories now there it still stood indescribably terrible and grand right in our track as though daring us to approach any nearer to its gleaming purities and as the sunlight refracted about it all the colours of the rainbow seemed to play around its brow moreover the genial warmth produced another wonder for under its benign influence the glittering peaks gave off columns of vapour they seemed to smoke like volcanoes in the mellow summer sun the icebergs one by one caught a spark of quickening fire every turret smoked a censer every pinnacle a pyre 
the wonder grew upon us as we watched and yet straight on our good ship held her way her course unaltered and her speed unabated as if fascinated by the majestic beauty before her she was eager to dash herself to pieces at the feet of such pure and awful loveliness ever greater and ever more splendid it appeared as the distance lessened between us and it until we really seemed to be approaching in almost perilous proximity then of a sudden the ship swerved to the northward and we ran by within a few hundred yards of the icy monster who could help recalling the adventure of coleridge's ancient mariner and now there came both mist and snow and it grew wondrous cold and ice mast high came floating by as green as emerald and through the drifts the snowy cliffs did send a dismal sheen nor shapes of men nor beasts we ken the ice was all between the ice was here the ice was there the ice was all around it cracked and growled and roared and howled like noises in a swound or tennyson's lovely simile wherein he says that we ourselves are like floating lonely icebergs our crests above the ocean with deeply submerged portions united by the sea then once again the fickle sun veiled his face and that which had appeared at first as a rocky island in mid-ocean and afterwards as a flashing palace of crystals now assumed a dulled whiteness as of one huge mass of purest chalk the heavy southern seas were dashing angrily against it seeming jealously to resent its escape from their own frozen dominions and the great clouds of spray which as a consequence were hurled into mid-air gave an added grandeur to a spectacle that seemed to need no supplementary charms for miles around the sea was strewn with enormous masses of floating ice some as large as an ordinary two-story house and all of the most fantastic shapes which had apparently swarmed off from the main berg one long row of these stretching out from the monster right across the ship's course looked for a moment not unlike a great ice reef connected with the berg and caused no little anxiety until the line of apparent peril had been safely negotiated when we were clean abreast a gun was fired from the bridge of the steamer in order i understand to ascertain from the rapidity and volume of the echo the approximate distance and by deduction the size of our polar acquaintance nor were there wanting those who were sanguine enough to expect that the atmospheric vibration set in operation by the explosion might finish the work of dislocation which any cracks or fissures had already begun and bring down at least some tottering peaks or pinnacles sir john franklin in one of his northern voyages saw this feat accomplished but if any of my companions expected to witness a similar phenomenon they had reckoned without their host the unaffected dignity of the sullen monster mocked our puny effort to bring about his downfall hercules scorned the ridiculous weapons of the pygmies the dull booming of the gun started a thousand weird echoes on the desolate ice they snarled out their remonstrance at our intrusion upon their wanton solitude and then again lapsed sulkily into silence the temperature dropped instantly and i recalled a famous saying of dr thomas guthrie's whose life i had just been reading in one of his speeches before the synod of angus and mearns he said i know of churches that would be all the better of some little heat an iceberg of a minister has been floated in among them and they have cooled down to something below zero an iceberg of a minister i think of the nipping air on board when our ship was in the midst of the ice 
and the memory of it makes me shiver. An iceberg of a minister. God, in his great mercy, save me from being such a minister as that. The long-sustained excitement to which these events had given rise had scarcely began to subside when the cry arose, An iceberg on the starboard bow! This, in its turn, was speedily succeeded by another, then an iceberg on the port bow, and yet once more another, till we were literally surrounded by icebergs. At tea time we could peep through the saloon portholes at no fewer than five of these polar giants, although most of them were larger than our first acquaintance, at least one of them being about three miles in length. None of these later appearances succeeded in arousing the same degree of enthusiasm as that with which we hailed the advent of the first. For one thing, the charm of novelty had, of course, begun to wear off, and, for another, they were of a less romantic shape, most of them being perfectly flat, as though some great polar plain were being broken up, and we were being favored with the superfluous territory in casual installments. And, by the way, speaking of the shape of icebergs, I am told that the icebergs of the two hemispheres are quite different in shape, the arctic bergs being irregular in outline with lofty pinnacles and glittering domes, while the antarctic bergs are, generally speaking, flat-topped and of less fantastic form. The delicate traceries of the far north do not reflect themselves in the sturdier and more matter-of-fact monsters of the south. The appearance of icebergs in such numbers, of such dimensions, in these latitudes, and at this time of the year, constitutes, I am credibly informed, a very unusual, if not, indeed, a quite unique experience. The theory was freely advanced that some volcanic disturbance had visited the polar regions and had dislodged these massive fragments. However, that may be, we were not at all sorry that it had fallen to our happy lot to behold a spectacle of such sublimity, and when we reflected that less than one-tenth of each mass was visible above the water-line, we were able to form a more adequate appreciation of the stupendous proportions of our gigantic neighbors. Reflecting upon this aspect of the matter, I remember to have heard, in my college days, a popular London preacher make excellent use of this phenomenon. When, he said impressively, when you are tempted to judge sin from its superficial appearance, and to judge it leniently, remember that sins are like icebergs. The greater part of them is out of sight. A certain amount of anxiety was felt, I confess, by most of us as night cast her sable mantle over sea and ice a certain amount of anxiety was felt i confess by most of us as night cast her sable mantle over sea and ice to admire an iceberg in broad daylight is one thing to be racing on amidst a crowd of them by night is quite another ice however casts around it a weird warning light of its own which makes its presence perceptible even in the darkest night so all night long the good ship sped bravely on her ocean track and all night long the captain himself kept cold and sleepless vigil on the bridge when morning broke three fresh icebergs were to be seen away over the stern but we had now shaped a more northerly course and we therefore waved adieu to these magnificent monsters which we were so delighted to have seen and scarcely less pleased to have left they will doubtless have melted from existence long before they will have melted from our memories yes they will have melted and that reminds me of another famous saying of the great thomas guthrie a saying which is peculiarly to the point just now 
the existence he said of the mohammedan power in turkey is just a question of time its foundations are year by year wearing away like that of an iceberg which has floated into warm seas and as happens with that creation of a cold climate it will by and by become top-heavy the centre of gravity being changed and it will topple over what a commotion then ah what a commotion to be sure they will have melted silly things they grew weary of that realm of white and stainless purity to which they once belonged they broke away from their old connections and set out upon their long long drift they drifted on and on towards the milder north on and on towards warmer seas on and on towards the balmy breath and ceaseless sunshine of the tropics and in return the sunshine destroyed them yes the sunshine destroyed them i have seen something very much like it in the church and in the world therefore says a great writer who had himself felt the fatal lure of too much sunshine therefore let us take the more steadfast hold of the things which we have heard lest at any time we drift away from them it is a tragedy of no small magnitude when like the iceberg a man is lured by sparkling summer seas to his own undoing End of part two, chapter one.